thank you that we love your delays, <laughs> only your delays. But God, we thank you that you have everything in perfect timing for us. We do not need to worry. We don't need to stress. But God, you have the perfect timing for our lives. And I ask that everybody in this room will learn to surrender to that timing. We will never be disappointed when we surrender to you. So God, we thank you for this time of worship. And um, as we go into the word tonight, God, I just ask that you would just prepare everybody's hearts, um, that we would just leave all the worries of today outside, and that we would be able to press into your voice. And Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would just move through this room tonight as um, I speak, and that you would just start to, to talk to people's hearts. I thank you, Lord. You're good, and we thank you that we get to do our life with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I would just like to say hello to all of you. This is my first time taking the stage in this, in this setting. Thank you. And I was saying to Michael upstairs, I actually don't know how to open up a sermon. Like, I don't know if I'm supposed to crack a joke or... Oh, gosh, I don't have any jokes for you. But, um, yeah, I just, I'm going to go right into the message because, you know, let's just do this. Let's get to business. So um, I'm on staff here, some of you don't know, so uh, my name's Angela, I've been here for five years, and I'm from the coast, that's my little bio, that's my intro, oh, Vancouver, the best coast, west coast, (laughs) I I was told that I would have a bunch of um, people yelling out tonight, so that's going to be fun, (laughs) Clay, okay, (laughs) Um, so I was, uh, when I was asked to preach, I asked I asked God, what do you want me to talk? And I always thought I would talk about the Holy Spirit because I absolutely love the Holy Spirit. And I think he is our best friend on this earth and we need him daily. But God said, actually, I'd like you to speak to them about something else. And it came out of um, an encounter I had with God a couple weeks ago. And my, um, I was kind of frustrated with an area of my life. It was an unanswered prayer. And I had been talking to God about it for a while Enough that I think that he would be tired of me talking to him about it, but I decided to talk to him, and I talked to him in my frustration, in my anger, in my hurt, everything. And there were tears, it was snot, it was everything. I was just so frustrated. Yeah, thanks. And my talk was like, it had turned into basically a tantrum. Who here has tantrums with the Lord? Yes, we all do. And so I... (laughs) It was so much a tantrum. I did leave out the foot stomping because I was sitting down, but I'm sure if I was standing up, I would be stomping. And um, I was just crying out to God, probably for a half an hour, just telling him, why haven't you answered me in this? Where are you? Why are you silent? All of this stuff that I've said countless times before. And um, I was e- I'm a writer, so I was even journaling it at the same time. And so just in case he didn't hear me, he probably would see it and read it. I just wanted to make sure all my bases were covered with him. And um, so after half an hour, I'm like, I cannot hear you talking to me. And I kind of just heard him say, well, you keep talking. You're always talking, so you need to just... So who knows here that when you pray and all you're doing is talking, you can't hear God, you probably need to stop talking. Because there's a part of prayer that's listening, and um, we really need to press in and listen. 
but sometimes we're so busy complaining or praying that we tend to forget that he is always speaking. And so I actually just stopped talking. And instantly, I heard from the left side of me, God say to me, Angela, when are you going to approach me as a daughter instead of a slave? Yeah, he, he said it to me again. So I stopped, all my tears stopped. And then he said it one more time, Angela, when are you going to start approaching me as my daughter instead of a slave? Because all you're doing is begging. And that's not who you are. So in that moment, I was like, okay, I can't go there. Because I know what you're doing. You're targeting a part of my heart that's not fully healed. And so I said to God politely, I'll talk to you in the morning. (laughs) And so I went to sleep. And sure enough, I put my alarm on early, I got up, I got coffee, and I sat before him, and I said, okay, I'm ready to talk with you about this. And he was targeting a part of my heart that's been a journey for me. I can approach the Jesus as a best friend, as a savior, as a brother, no problem. I can approach the Holy Spirit as my guide, my counselor, my peace, everything like that. I can approach God as creator of the universe, the king of kings, lord of lords, Alpha and Omega, but I have such a hard time approaching him as father. And it's a journey that I'm on, and I don't know if I'll fully get there. I hope I do one day. But, see, I was raised in a home that was a British home. And if anybody is raised in a British home, you may be able to relate. Um, You're seen, but you're not heard. Um, You don't have wants. You just have needs, and they're always met. You're not encouraged to ask questions. You're just, you just do as you're told. And that's just the way my parents were raised, so that's how, the way we were raised. And what that did for me, it, was, it robbed me of knowing how to approach my dad with questions and with needs and with wants. So that actually translated into my spiritual journey with the Lord. And I'm not able, well, I'm getting there. I'm able to approach him as father. And it's funny because before the service started, I had two words given to me today about being a daughter. So God's up to good things. I thought I would go into a message about identity, but um, God said that's not what I want you to talk about. What I do want to talk to you about tonight is the question, how is your heart? And so I think we are all, when we go up and ask somebody, how are you? They say, good, perfect. But if you ask somebody how your heart is, they usually stop and be like, oh, you want to know? And I'm really a big fan of that question, but I'd really encourage you, don't ask that question if you're not ready to hear it. Don't ask the question if you're not ready to follow up with the person. And so that day, God was asking me, how's your heart? Because you're begging. And the heart is a really important thing. It's full of, um, it's actually where our life springs out of. It says, um, I got a verse for you. Proverbs 4.23, it says, so above all, Guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all, spiritual, mental, health, physical, emotional, everything, that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from it flows the wellspring of life. And the message says, keep vigilant watch over your heart. That's where life starts. So it's telling you to keep careful watch, especially to avoid danger. And so God knows that our hearts, he made our hearts, he knows they're very strong and stubborn. He knows they're very strong when they can press into him. They can go either way. And I just, you can kind of gauge where people are in their journey 
by the way that they speak. Because the Bible says, out of your heart, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. And so sometimes you can encounter somebody and they're full of anger when they speak. And you're like, oh, I know where your heart is. Or they're bitter. Or they're cynical. And, or they're just frustrated. And it comes out in their speech. And I'm not saying that for you to go around looking at people's hearts by the way they're talking. I'm actually making you hold a mirror up to yourself. Because I know when I'm tired, I start, I'm negative when I talk. When my heart is like just so frustrated, I can get pretty cynical. And you know when somebody's full of hope or when they're full of joy, because it comes out in their language. And it's like a garden. You know, if we tend the garden daily, weeds don't grow, we get to blossom, we get to bloom, we get to like flourish. But if we leave our garden go and there's, it's overgrown with weeds and it's overgrown with bugs and everything that are killing plants, then you're not going to blossom. And it's a lot of work to actually go in and dig up things in your, in your heart. But if you keep at it before the Lord, it's good. You know, there's people that actually don't deal with their, their hearts, their hurts, their frustrations. When things happen to us that are really bad, we, we store it away, we wall it away because we can't go there because we don't know how to deal with it. Some of us don't have, we haven't been taught how to deal with our emotions. Some of us do deal with our emotions, but we kind of stay in the emotion. And some of us actually deal with our emotion and overcome. And so I feel like God tonight wants you guys to actually learn how to overcome in your heart. So there's this guy in the Bible named David. He's probably one of my favorite people in the Bible, and um, he's a worshiper. He was a king. He was a kid that hung out with sheep. But he had a really cool story about his life. He had ups and downs, but there was one part in his story that I actually find helpful. And not to go into his full story, but he actually uh, messed up, and he got a married woman pregnant, and he was, he was caught. And so what he did was he arranged for her husband to be killed at battle. And it was not his best moment. But he ended up marrying this lady named Bathsheba, and, um, and a prophet came to him and said, you know, you've done something wrong before the Lord, and you need to, like go to him. So David went to him and asked for forgiveness. And then uh, Jesus, God, of course, forgave him. But he said, because of this, um, your son isn't, your child won't live. So David's first reaction was he went to the floor in prayer and he fasted and prayed for seven days that God would spare his child's life. And he found out that his wife had given birth and the baby got struck with an illness and died. And this is the part that, of the story that's pretty powerful. If that happened to any of us, I'm sure, I don't, I don't know how I would deal with it. But it says here, uh, 2 Samuel 12, 20, So David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself, and changed his clothes, and he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. So I want you to catch this. He's just been told that his son has died. God did not answer his prayer the way that he had thought he would. God did not come through him come through for him the way that he wanted him to. But what did David do? He got up. Some of us hang out in our pain. David did it pretty quickly, in my opinion. I would have kind of stayed on the floor a little longer. But he got up in his pain, and he did something else. He changed his clothes. He washed. 
And to me, that refers to changing your attitude, changing your perspective, changing your mood. And then he went to the house of the Lord and worshiped. Now, some of us, depending on what we've gone through, and I haven't shared you with my, my full story with you, but I have gone through a lot in my life. I would probably need another service to talk about it. But, thanks. Um, and some of us don't have the ability to change our clothes. We don't. Because some stuff is really hard that happens to us. And you're sitting there saying, you don't know what happened to me. I don't. So if you can't change your clothes, and all I say to you is get up and go to the house of the Lord to worship. Because in the place of worship, that's where God comes in to change your clothes. That's where God comes in to change your attitude, to change your perspective. It's in the place of worship. We're called to worship. We're called to give a sacrifice of praise. But guess what? We only get to do a sacrifice, a sacrifice of praise here on earth. It won't be in heaven. So this is your only opportunity. And that means I'm going to praise him despite my circumstances. And when we worship God, in that place, he reminds us of who he is. He reminds us of his faithfulness. He reminds us that he has it all worked out for us. He reminds us that he's the victorious one. He actually even reminds us of when he came through for us before. He reminds us of our history with him. That's what worship is. It's, it's this thing that I've kind of called the last couple of weeks called the beautiful exchange. I don't know any other religion where you go and worship the God and in turn you yourself get refreshed, you get hope. God is giving. So when we worship, he gives back to us. And that's what happened with David. He knew, he, he had a history with the Lord since he was young. He was, the, God saved him from animals, bear, lion. He saved him so many different times from someone after him trying to kill him. And he had a history with God that he pulled on in that moment. That's probably why he was able to get up so quickly. Because he had seen that God always worked it out for him. He trusted that God had it worked out. And our opportunity to stand up is actually an, a moment to build your history with God. It's your moment to like actually be like, okay, God, this is the moment that I'm going to watch you come through for me. I am sure that when David went to the house of the Lord that night or that day, he was still upset. He was still angry. He still had all these, those emotions that come with losing a child. You know, sometimes we think that we always have to be perfect. I grew up in a home where image was very important in the sense of we're the perfect family. We're the Joneses. Keep up with us. <laughs> That's my last name. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> And so I have always been like, i got to present my best to God. But God is like, God just loves mess. He's not afraid of mess. One of the beautiful gifts he gave us was one of the most messiest days, and that was Jesus being crucified. Crucifixion was the messiest way to die, and yet God thought that was the most beautiful moment. So I love telling stories because... Stories are 
our way of learning about people. It's kind of the way that um, it happened in the olden days. They would tell stories around the fire and everything. And um, I, so this is a little story about me and my journey because I think you should be able to share some parts of your journey. I, a couple years ago, I, um, okay, let me first start off with saying, I don't let, um, I have a very walled heart when it comes to guys at my age. I, I could explain why, but I won't because it's another night. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm very cautious to let guys into my heart. I'm very cautious to let guys get close to me. It's something I've been working on probably for the last five, six years. And so falling in love is a very difficult thing for me to do, and I never allowed myself to do it because I'm a fear of being rejected and being hurt and broken. And, um, but then God brought this guy into my life, and I uh, fell in love. And I dated this guy for a year, over a year, and we both were in love, and it was a great time. It was also difficult. It was long distance. And so it created some issues, but... It was the first time that I actually took a risk and actually was like, I actually really love this guy. And we got to a point in our relationship where it's like, okay, engagement or do we end this? Because when you do long distance, it's like you kind of have to come to that place. And um, he decided to end it. And it was the worst time that I had gone through in a very long time. It was a, I experienced this broken heart that I really had never experienced before when it came to a relational, that relationship. <laughs> so we break up, and the, he leaves to catch a plane. And the first thing I Google is, how long does it take to get over a breakup? Because <laughs> I need to know this thing. I need to know because I need to like plan. And Google said, six months to a year. So I was like, great, I'm going to do this in five. I got this. (laughs) But they should have actually said six months to a year, but if you're Angelo Jones, probably longer. And, like, no joke, I actually Googled it. It was like 6 a.m. in the morning. Oh, my gosh, so pathetic, but kind of fun. And... um, So uh, I had never experienced a broken heart, that kind of pain, that kind of rejection on that level, never experienced it. I had actually done a really good job to keep myself from that, and what what I feared happened. And so there was pain, there was Netflix, there was food, there was crying, there was depression, there was everything that went with it. There was friends, conversations, all of it. I was so heartbroken. But here's the thing that I have learned because of my life and experiences is that I knew that I had to actually turn my heart towards God. Even in my anger, even in my pain and my brokenness, my heart had to go towards him. Because I learned that if I didn't, it was going to be a longer process. And so in my pain, I went to him. I sat with him when I was was quiet. I sat with him. I didn't say anything to him because I was angry with him. I yelled at him. There are days where I just like sobbed with him. But like the key word is with him. And God is not afraid of your anger. He's not afraid of your, 
your hurt, your pain. Like, he's heard it. He's, he's pretty secure in who he is. Yeah. And so if you're upset with him, he's like, that's okay. And there was this book that I was recommended, and it was called, um, and I highly recommend this if you're going through a difficult season, or even if you're not, just prepare yourself, because we'll all have seasons. Um, it was called Every Bitter Thing is Sweet. You can ask me about it later, and it's by a girl named Sarah Haggerty, and she couldn't um, conceive. So she wrote this book out of this season, and I don't know why I never got this before, because I've been a Christian all my life, but in the book, she says, in her brokenness, she was now introduced to the God of the brokenhearted, and a light bulb went off for me. I had never, ever met the God of the brokenhearted. And so you can look at me and be like, oh, she's Angela. But you don't know a lot about me. If you're a friend, you know a lot about me. You know my characteristics. You know the things I love. You know that I'm super funny. (laughs) Thank you. You know things that I love, things that I hate. You know that I can't whisper. I'm an awful whisperer. (laughs) And you'll know those things. Well, Karina does. Anyway, so you can look at me from over here. You don't know me, but you see me. And sometimes that's how we view God. We see him, but do we know his characteristics? Do we know his names? Do we know his nature? And so through this heartache, through my brokenness, I was actually able to meet the God of the brokenhearted. And that book wrecked me. It was so timely for me. And so he sat with me, and he's like, hey, I'm, I'm the God of the brokenhearted. I'm going to sit with you for a bit. I'm going to sing over you. Because that's what the scripture says he does. He sings over us. But sometimes a lot of us are so consumed with our pain and our rejection and our hurt that we turn inward and we're missing an opportunity of meeting God that can actually heal you. You're missing your opportunity to meet God of hope, the God of that can heal, the God that can, the brokenhearted. I now look back at that season of my life, and I, I actually see him in it. Before, I didn't see him because I thought I was alone in my pain. But I actually, I can see him sitting with me on the couch watching Netflix. <laughs> I, can, I see him sitting with me in my silence. I actually, you know, see him sitting beside me as I was crying myself to sleep. He was sitting with me, and it was a beautiful season now that I look back at it. And he let me journey through all those emotions. But then one day he came to me and he's like, hey, can I introduce you to another part of me? And that's the God that heals. That's the God that's going to give you hope. I'm going to introduce you to the God that restores. I'm going to introduce you to the God of victory. See, he let me journey through my pain because he's so kind. But then there came a fatherly love where he's like, okay, enough is enough. Now you're going to step over into your identity and who I've called you to be. And it's, it's funny because this season, I don't know how long it lasted. The reason it took a little bit longer than it should have was because there was a lot of back and forth with my ex, which it just made it messy, and so that's why it didn't take me five months, as Google said it would. Um, But it's funny, the other day I actually had a dream of him, and he was laughing. He was so happy in my dream. He was joking around, and I woke up, and I was like, wow, that's great. He's probably in a really good place. And God said, your heart's good. 
when it comes to him now. That's awesome. If I had that dream a year ago, I wouldn't have been happy with it. I'd have been like, nope, you can't be happy. (laughs) One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Psalm 84, and it talks about going through the Valley of Baca, and the Valley of Baca is the Valley of Weeping. And the valley is actually like a really dry valley. And there's these, um, they say there's these bushes there, the mulberry bushes, I think. And they have these huge thorns on them. And so the Israelites would actually make their way for pilgrimage to Jerusalem, and they'd have to pass through the Valley of Baca. It was a really hard part of their journey. And um, they would sometimes have to cut through the bushes and everything. And I've heard a couple interpretations of this, but it says, um, Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the Valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength, each one appearing before God in Zion. The Passion Translation, it says, Even when their paths wind through the dark valley of tears, they dig deep to find pleasant pools where others only find pain. And so I love this verse because it says the key word to me in this verse when I read it is the word through. And a lot of us set up camp in really dark places. We set up camp in our pain because it's comfortable. We set up pain in our heartache and our rejection. But God is actually telling you not to do that. He's like, yeah, go through it, process it, journey it. But you need to eventually arrive at the mountain. And I really highly encourage, if there's one thing you take away from tonight, is do not camp in your pain. It doesn't do you good. But you do need to process it. You do need to work on that part of your heart. Um, there's this uh, lady in the States. Her name is Christine Kane, And she's an amazing preacher. Oh, she's actually from Australia. But she preaches a lot in the States. And I... I really do enjoy her messages. And she basically said one day, um, sharing her testimony, she found out she was adopted when she was 30 years old. But she said for the first 12 years of her life, she was molested and raped by family members. And she's in her 50s now. And then she goes on to say, but for the other 38 years, I wasn't molested and I wasn't raped. And God had done such a work on her heart and healing in that process. A lot of us can't relate to her story. And she said, I'm going to relate to the 38 years of that, of my life. That's going to be the place I live from. God had taken her through that valley. She she got healing. She overcame. It's only with Jesus that you can do that. I want to really, like, stress that tonight. It's not in our own strength. It's with Jesus. And God brought her through, and she says, I'm not going to live from those 12 years. I'm going to actually live from the 38 years that God has healed me. And so some of you might be sitting here tonight going, what do I do? I'm going to frantically try to go home and fix my heart. <laughs> but I don't frantically fix your heart. I don't, I, don't, I don't think that goes deep. I think it's a quick, it's a reaction rather than a response. And... Um, it's funny because I just was, I just remembered this when I was prepping. I was in London a couple weeks ago and I was watching their morning show, so I love news programs. And they're interviewing Bear Grylls. Everybody here know him, knows who he is? He's the survival guy. He has a survival show. He'll like pick up a grain of sand and say, You can live off this for 10 days. <laughs> you can't. Don't do it. 
but I'm sure he could probably prove it. Um, and he was talking about, uh, she asked him, how did you start doing your job? Like, what gave you the passion for survival? And he said, well, I think, I think he said he was 12 years old. And he was um, out playing, and he got caught in quicksand. And he, the natural response for your body is to actually, like, move frantically to get out of quicksand. And he said, all it was doing was dragging me down further. And he said, I heard this voice, he goes, in my head, and it said, move slowly. Move one limb at a time. And so he put his arm up and moved it. And then he did his other arm. I'm not actually sure if it was like arm, leg, whatever the rhythm was, but he did it slowly. And he got out of the quicksand. And so when, I, when God brought that story back to my mind, I felt like he said, tell them to make just one movement and make it slow. So stand up. Change your clothes. If you can't change your clothes, go to the house to worship. Just those small movements. And what happens when we worship God? We look up and our perspective changes. Because you're looking up, you're not looking inward. And when we look up, we see who he is. We actually see his nature and how he can come through for us. And so I don't want you guys to all go home and like start digging in your hearts and be like, what, what are my issues? I don't, I don't think that's the healthiest way. But I, I would ask you to ask the Holy Spirit, what is hindering my relationship with you? He will reveal to you what you need to work on. And a lot of us already know what it is. I know what mine stuff is. I know those hurts and those rejections that I've stored away because it's too painful to go to. But if you ask the Holy Spirit what he wants you to work on, he will be faithful to answer you. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, he wants a great relationship with you and with the Father. You may be sitting here saying, you don't know what I've gone through. You don't know the pain. And I don't. But I could easily tell you my story, and you could say, how are you still loving God? There are people that I have met that I would never know they hold the craziest story because they radiate Jesus. And the reason they radiate Jesus is because they've processed it, they've given it to Jesus, and they've forgiven And that's an opportunity for all of you. And some of our journeys will be more difficult to get through because of things that have happened to us. I'm still working through things that have happened to me since I was little. But I'm working on them. And I'm not trying to minimize your pain and just say, get over it. That's definitely not my heart tonight at all. My heart is just for you to just start talking to God about it. And I, I asked God, like, okay, God, why do you want to talk about people's heart? And I actually heard him say, because 2018 is coming, and I want it to be a new year for them. He wants you to shake off the dust of 2017, because 2018, he's got stuff for you. And he needs you to be in a right posture of heart so he can bring it to you. Because sometimes he has stuff for us, but because of the state of our heart, we wouldn't handle it right. 
we could ruin it. But he's like, I just need you to set your heart right. And here's the thing with David's story. The guy where his child died, and he got up and worshipped the Lord. In the next chapter, him and his wife give birth to a king named Solomon. God still had something good for him. And I wonder, I ask myself this question. I don't know if it's biblical or theologically sound. And, but I wonder if David never got up and he turned his back on God, would Solomon have ever come? Maybe, because God's sovereign and he wanted Solomon on the earth. But just like, if we never heal our heart or if we turn our back on God when things get rough and get tough for our lives, will we, will we never see his fullness for us and what he has for us? I can guarantee when you turn your heart towards God, no matter your emotion, he will be faithful to answer you. That's his nature. He can't lie. That's who he is. And David knew that. David knew God was the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so he had seen God deliver him before. He was going to see him deliver him again. We need you guys to bloom and to blossom in 2018. We really do. This world needs it. This church needs it. The church needs it. Everywhere needs it. And he wants you to remove every hindrance from your heart that is stopping you. Green in the band. I'm just going to conclude with this because I know we've got a party to go to. And I really do feel like joy heals as well. So sometimes we think, oh, how can we go like party after this? Like maybe a heavy word for some. But I honestly think, well, laughter is medicine. So the Bible says God heals through joy. God heals through community. And you know what? He's not going to be like, oh, what, I got to tell you tonight what's wrong with your heart. No, he'll let you know <laughs> throughout the week. Like, it's a journey with him. I have a, um, I write and. I love the idea of pearls. They're my birthstone. A pearl is. Sorry, I didn't know if I cut the mic out. But, um, and everyone knows how pearls are formed, right? A grain of sand causes irritation and out of, in the oyster, and out of that, a pearl is formed. And that's our lives. When there's irritation in our lives, we have the option to form a pearl. We have the option. It's a choice. It's a choice. To shake, off, to shake off that stuff in your life that's holding you back because he has you to be a pearl. And when we praise through hardships, that sacrifice of praise, praying him when life is really tough, it's easy to praise God when it's going well. That's great. And he loves that just as much. But when we praise God through hardships, that's when those pearls are formed. So I would encourage you, you guys can all stand. Maybe it's prophetic. You all are standing up. (laughs) Thank you. I really feel God's heart for you. I feel God's heart for people. And his love for you is so great. And this is not meant to be a heavy word, but more of an encouraging word. And 
And I really feel like you guys just need to get rid of things in your life that are holding you back. And to those that are processing things a little longer than they should, it's time to step over. It really is. It's time to step over, forgive, ask God to heal you. Because sometimes your healing will come when you step. You know? Sometimes we're waiting for the answer before we praise God. But it's when we praise God when we don't have the answer is when heaven responds. Because they're like, oh, they put faith into it. Faith without works is dead. And so you need to have both. You need to take that step but also believe. You need to lift your head, even if it's one small movement. So in this song, I think we just should posture our hearts towards the Lord and say, if you want, say to God, I just reveal anything in my life that's hindering me, any pain, any hurt, any unforgiveness. He reveal it to you. Don't go digging. But just trust that God will reveal it to you. And then I'll just um, come back up and pray for you guys as well at the end. the Lord before this service to remind me of anything I forgot, and he just did. And I think some of us here tonight are like, what happens when I get rid of that pain or that part in my heart that I've kept so full? And we were afraid of the emptiness, but the thing is, is that God sets truth in our most inward parts. He sets his truth into our hearts. And so as you give him your pain, he's actually going to fill your heart with who he is. So don't be afraid of the emptiness in your heart that will come when you give it over to him. He's actually going to fill it with his nature and his truth. So God, I thank you for tonight. I thank you that this is the day you created. And I thank you for every heart that is in this room. And I know that you're taking them on a journey, but God, you're with them. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal any part of their hearts that's hindering them. Our hearts let us dream they let us hear they let us see and if they are broken we don't dream we don't hear right we don't see right so god i pray that you would heal their hearts tonight anything that's hindering them god i ask that they would encourage that they would surrender it to you you're a beautiful god you won't leave us you're healing your hope and so god i would pray that you would reveal your nature to them in their place if they need healing reveal yourself as god of the healer if they need hope Reveal yourself as the God of hope. Let this journey be a place where they know you in the more intimate way than they've ever known you. And I pray protection over everybody's hearts going forward. God, that you would guard their hearts. That anything the enemy tries to throw them, throw at them this, this week, I pray that you would stand as their guard. So we thank you, God. And James is going to dismiss us, but I just want... Um, our Tehillah team, if you can just come up here, because I feel like maybe some of you might want some prayer, because it's an important thing. And so if you're part of the Tehillah team, just come up here. But then um, if you're ready to go party, go do it.